0: Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I inspire you to take action with stillness, let go of chaos, and step into your future self on this podcast. We have special high-performing guests each week who share mindset tips and their spirituality, helping us all prepare to be the best we can be for our future. Let's Dare to Move happy Sunday, you guys. I don't know if you've picked up on it, but last Sunday and now this Sunday, I am releasing episodes with guests for two reasons. One, they tend to be a little more entertaining than me talking at you. And two, I'm doing a lot of journal casting in the private Facebook group that are private, not so private. Um, It's a group, it's a group Facebook program that I've launched and it's open to anyone who wants to be in it. All you have to do is connect with me on Facebook. Uh, Garrett Nicole Wood is my Facebook name and I do a live broadcast uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at three o'clock and we talk all about stillness and how to navigate this time with mindset, tips, tricks um, perspectives journal questions all that stuff so um, it made doing a one-off once a week journal cast seem almost hard to wrangle in because i'm doing so many during the week Uh, it's hard to pull out one theme that feels most important And so today I thought, you know what, I had an incredible time talking with one of my friends whom I've known since high school, Sam Morgan. A lot of you guys feel like you know him well because he was on the podcast twice in early 2019. At that point in time, he had just come off of the show American Woman, where he was kind of the hot young boyfriend in the show. Um, He dated Alicia Silverstone in the show. And, um, Right now, he just is in the editing process of a movie that he filmed since we spoke last, I think it was February. So I'm really excited for you guys to, especially for those of you who feel that burden of the weekend with extra time and no work, and maybe you are in your apartment alone, Um, I very much felt like in this episode with Sam, I was hanging out with a friend and it was as much as podcasting is kind of falls under my umbrella of work and business development and connecting and networking, um, this episode felt social for me and for him. So we talk about a lot of things. Uh, The biggest thing that stands out to me as I record this intro um, over a week since we recorded is this um, story he tells um, from the play Free Play. And um, he sent me a little blurb of it that I put in the show notes so that you can read it too. But it's this idea of what is life? (laughs) So kind of like the existential question of who am I? Um, The other one, what is life? And he explains it so beautifully through the lens of um, this prologue to free play and I hope you really tune into that point because it talks about how life is kind of what falls between the bookends of maybe starting a new endeavor and then maybe feeling like oh I made it and um what happens in between can be viewed sometimes as negative and failure and all of that but that's life that's the living so I thought that was a beautiful theme and um get excited because Sam actually plays us two songs and never before has any guest played a guitar for us and sang at the same time. Uh, Hannah from episodes past did a beautiful job singing acapella on this podcast, but Sam is um, adding a little music for us and even a whistle in one of the songs. So uh, I'm excited for you to hear that point and this is very much a Joe Rogan style podcast and, um, it's just, it's divergent. It goes everywhere and somehow it circles back to the quote that we start with about letting go. And, um, yeah, I just hope that whether you're cleaning your house, like I, I, deep cleaned, uh, with Jeff and his sister Heather last Sunday. So whether you're doing a deep cleaning of your house or you're hiking, or you're just walking around the neighborhood, or you're sitting on your couch, um, I hope that you feel like you get to hang out with us and learn. And, uh, Sam's perspective on life has always, um, been intriguing and interesting and beautiful to me. So I'm excited for him to be able to share that with you all. Uh, Feel free to pause this and come back to it. What's kind of cool about this episode is that while it stays under the theme of letting go there's so much that we cover and i don't know about you guys but one of my favorite things is when i'm totally loving a podcast from joe rogan and his or like armchair expert you know the two hour long episodes i love pausing it because i have to and then being like oh yay but there's more left for me to listen to so maybe this will serve in that way um i don't know but i hope you love it and um, if you have questions don't hesitate to reach out um Sam's contact info is all in the show notes for you to connect with him. Please share this podcast if you're loving it. I know a lot of people are looking for entertainment right now. So sharing is caring. I would love for you to put this on your Instagram story or Facebook page if you feel called to do so. Um, And then finally, just a reminder, if you want to join my stillness training, which is, again, it's a Facebook group where I basically do free mindset coaching every day, Monday through Friday. Let me know. I'll add you to the group. You can shoot me an email. Uh, my contact info is in the show notes as well. And yeah, without further ado, I introduce my good friend, actor, producer, director, writer, and musician Sam Morgan.
1: That you you brought that up because that is something that I have noticed throughout. You know, throughout my sort of journey. Because I'll say, like in a year in the year since we spoke uh, like on a podcast, obviously we talked since then, but like in the year since we did that podcast, um, my situation at least with acting and, and stuff hasn't really gotten easier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've actually been surprised with how much more difficult everything has become since being on a TV show and how much more confusing and how many more questions I have yeah. from that experience. Um, because uh it isn't easy and it you know and then i ended up shooting um the project that we were talking about tiktok and i'm finishing editing that right now and that i'm excited about and that's its own sort of grind and hustle and everything but you know a lot um there was a lot of winds blowing and um and this situation that we're in right now with this global pause you know, that this big gigantic pause that we've been put on as a community um, is kind of just one more thing blowing me around. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always nervous. I, I, I'm always nervous. I'm like, what's going to be the straw that like breaks the camel's back. But so far I have to say the mindfulness approach to my life has been one of the things that's like kept me from really just snapping and, and kind of losing it because just uh, there, I mean, to be really blunt, just like a lot of bullshit happens, <laughs> you know? And I think when you have the security of a nine to five job and there's a trade off for all these things, I understand that. But I think when you have the security of a nine to five job and you know, you're using the degree that you got in school to pay into this like thing and it has a pension and a healthcare situation and you know you have a lot of these big question marks answered for you whereas when you choose to be a freelancer one of the burdens that you sort of onboard is that no one knows no one fucking knows you know like you lose your 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 uh basically like what one thing sorry that this is a tangent but i'll wrap it up real quick um one of the things for example that that i think every actor should, and every freelancer. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who's on a TV show currently, and that show is postponed because of, you know, what's happening in their second season. They're, they're going into a second season, and my friend is looking at being promoted to a bigger role in the series, and all these things are on the line, but no one knows when you're going to be back on set. And one thing I told her was, file for unemployment. Yeah, like you should have been filed. Like basically, as a freelancer, you should be filing for unemployment the second your job ends. Because unless you have another acting job or another modeling job or another you know gig lined up immediately, you should be collecting unemployment that week. That's what you pay for when you get your ta- Like when you get your taxes taken out, all those all that money you pay to the government. This is what it's for. Unemployment is not for you know people who are living in uh, you know dest total like destitution or poverty. It's for you and me. It's for American people. It's for people that live in this society that we pay taxes to. Yeah. And, um, she was like, well, I don't know. I've never thought about unemployment. And I'm like, well, <laughs> just because you're an actor on TV, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be thinking about yourself and about how the government you, you, you know, pay for can support you. Yeah. So
0: I brought that up because, um, fitness instructors who I know a lot of of people, like maybe don't identify as a freelancer, but being a fitness instructor does not, nine times out of 10, come with benefits. So those people are facing the exact same thing. And a lot of companies are doing them a good service by letting them go so that they can file for that. Mm -hmm. And the first time I heard that, what you're describing, like, and the way that you are just saying your friend was like, what, like unemployment? I had the same reaction because I just I had never been in a situation to think of it that way and yeah. as I was talking through it with Jeff he was saying that um you know technically I've always kind of had my online business so yeah. I might not be applicable for like it might not apply to me but um a lot of people just don't know about it so I think that's like a interesting way to yeah start this especially cuz we're we're recording in this time and this is yeah Happening for so many people. But um one thing that um you just mentioned was kind of this idea of um the winds blowing around. Yeah. I I didn't tell you this, but um like last October I started having this weird thing with the wind, and I was like constantly noticing it and like all these things were shifting for me at that time. So I love that you said that. And um, in spite of feeling that way, being kind of blown around, the quote that I chose today um is uh Sometimes letting go is the only way to become yourself. Ah, I wonder what you might think of that.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. Actually. I, um, I, well, what does it mean? What is it? Do you want to hear what I think? Or do you want to tell me what you, what it means to you first? You go first. All right. <laughs> uh, for me, I mean, there's multiple things that I think about. I mean, I, I put a lot of time thinking about my career. Mm-hmm. Like, I think everybody in their late 20s thinks yeah. about the career. <laughs> like Because you have that, like yeah. we talked about last time, I think the burden of the future. The burden <laughs> of building a future. And um, I, it's funny, I was watching, I watched a clip from American Woman because one of my friends was like, I want to binge watch that show. And I was like, well, I don't know where you're going to find it. But she found it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I watched the first episode. And this does tie into the quote. Um, And I watched the first episode that I did. And granted, you know, at the time that we shot that I was 26, I was, um, scared. I was so as much as excited as I was, I was really, really scared. I was scared of, I remember the fear of messing up and the fear of maybe being found out and seen for something that I didn't want to be seen as. And, um, and, and I watched that episode and I just see myself so small. I've minimized myself so much and I'm so squished. And, um, and I, I was sitting there and I was watching the clip and, you know, at first you're like embarrassed and you're like, Oh, you're like, oh my God. That's you know what I mean? That's what they do with my hair. There's too much, you know, makeup and lighting. It just all looked, you know, you're, you're like looking at this like alien version of yourself. And, um, and my voice and all this stuff, you're just like, that's not what I sound like. And um, and so once I got past all that, I moved past all that like actor ego hmm. stuff. And the thing that really overwhelmed me was like, ah, I want to do that again. I want to, I want to go in and I want to, I want to let go. I want to, I want, I've done all the work. I've, and now I'm looking at it as myself and I'm, I'm embracing that whatever that next project is, that next big project, cause I've worked on things, but I haven't worked on like a big, you know, network thing in that capacity since. And, um, you know, I just hope for my own sake that I can let go and, and, and shine the way that I shine. I feel like I shine with, with people in my life that, you know, know me and care about me. And, um, I'm really just focusing on bringing Sam to everything who is, you know, like who, who is he in this character? And, um, so that idea of letting go to become myself is, is something that I do think about quite a bit. And and so I, I'm actually really grateful for this time. I I know that it's a privilege that I haven't, that I have the financial means to sit here and just be like, I'm just going to, Figure myself out during this mm-hmm. global pause, um, but but yeah, that is it, it's. I like that quote because it's exactly what I'm doing here, alone in this apartment. Is <laughs> just trying to like to just be like, you know what, Sam is Sam is Sam, and Sam is 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 enough mm. for everybody. He's enough, and so he just put down the mask.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So last episode, we talked a lot about um, about your struggles and what it's really like when you're going into an audition and mm-hmm. feeling like, am I fit enough? Is my hair good enough? And there's all these things that really it makes it important to do the work on yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think you know, listeners should definitely go back and and check that out. But um, when you said just now about the mask, I did these like tarot card readings last fall and I drew this card about the mask. Yeah. And it really forced me to look at myself and be like, where am I not showing up? Yes. Like me. And um, a hard one. It's a hard one. Um, But what you said, also that stood out to me that I will forever remember, um, was that when, when I write, and I don't know if this was the podcast that got published or not. Oh God, we, no, no, no,
1: no. I'm like, God, oh my God, I hope that I'm doing the same justice to the last podcast as I did.
0: <laughs> oh, you're doing great. Um, <laughs> but uh, you said that when anyone writes, mm-hmm. when you create a character, regardless mm-hmm. if it's a true story or mm-hmm. not, the characters you create are all a piece of yourself
1: hundred percent, yeah,
0: and it made me one, I could see that, like, okay, in fiction, that's kind of easy because it's me creating this fictional story. And then when yeah. you apply it to real life, it and I wrote, you know, a true story, it from my perspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I looked at some of the characters, I'm like, oh, that's what they represented to me. That might not be the full picture of them, but that's the piece of me. That mm-hmm. lies within them, and then you start to kind of apply that to your life, and um, so I've definitely been leaning on that. And I love that you said, you know, how can I show up as Sam in whatever character?
1: Yeah. You um, yeah yeah it's and it's been I have this amazing um, acting. He's he's a good friend of mine. His name's is Desha- Deshaun Terry, and he's um he's he was shooting the second season of he's in that show The Morning Show. Yeah, he played Daniel. He's like the one of the anchors. Um, and anyways but he's also an acting teacher and a coach and he's been working with me for about a year and a half now what's what's been really interesting about him this is a side note if he listens to this that this will be weird but i i love working with him because he feels just past the point of being a peer but not like um not like a sort of sometimes these acting teachers they're they're older usually and they've worked with like stella adler or like one of these people. And so then they become this like weird guru where people want that validation, like from a parent almost. So what's nice is Deshaun's only, he's only a few years older than us. So he feels still in that peer category. Like I listen to him and I respect him as a teacher. And so I I give him a lot of space to just tell me what's going on. But I also feel like he gives me room to make my own decisions. Cool. You know what I mean? It's kind of nice to have a teacher in that space. Like remember when you're in college and you have a teacher who's like, In their late 20s. Yes. And you're like, we can go out drinking together, but like, I'm still gonna listen to you.
0: Yes. And that's so funny you bring that up because I hired a coach last uh, October and he's like four years older than me. Same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It's just enough that you respect them and you look up to them, but it's not so much that you put them in this like pedestal of like knowing everything.
0: Yeah. 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 So speaking of that, and I mean, some big names. You have been working on, about, mm. with Correct. some big names, and yes. I'd love to know.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot. Well, so I shot. I, we talked about it last time, and then oh, I ended up raising yeah, yeah. twenty thousand dollars and shooting it. Which isn't twenty thousand. Isn't really that much. I found out, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you did it.
1: It was more than I was. Uh, it was more than I was expecting to spend, but it is. It was worth it. Um. Oh, wait, really quickly, before I move on, because I'm really bad about this. Um, but bringing myself to the work, what's interesting is that being in this time of, of um, our, our imaginations are so fueled by the headlines. Oh, and, you know, there's so, so much, uh, because every headline right now pertains to your person, your safety, your mm-hmm. life. So every single headline, you know, because sometimes you read a headline and, you know, yeah. You'll be like, oh, well, that's happening in China. So, like, it doesn't affect me. Oh, that's happening in Sudan. So, like, as much as I care, that isn't my parent. That isn't my, you know, it's so easy to just brush off. But now the headlines are so impact. Every headline, you know, that's why I'm like, I have to stop reading the news because it's just everyone. I'm like, what does this mean to me? You know, how does this affect me and my safety? And um, so, anyways, that feeling of constantly being in jeopardy, personal Jeopardy, I found really stimulating my imagination,
3: Ooh.
1: and so every character I've worked on lately with Deshawn, who's amazing, um, he. So uh, sorry, this is a tangent, but I do think it's important about the work. And then I'll, and then I'll. I okay. believe it, <laughs> like, because being an actor, it's so interesting because. All you have is yourself. You are the thing. So your imagination, your, your, um, your life, your love, your fear, everything is everything. It has to come from within you and, and your perspective. And it sounds really easy, but then in application, for example, I was, I spent a long time working on this, uh, play called the proposal by Chekhov. It's like a short little play And it's about this guy who comes over it's a uh, comedy but it's set at like in the early 1900s so this guy comes over to make a marriage proposal to this woman who's like on a neighboring farm and he's in his 30s and she's averagely attractive but she's kind of like the closest person around
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean
1: (laughs) there wasn't bumble so you know you had to figure it out go next door yeah, exactly. You just, you just walk next door like you are your own radius. Yeah. So um, so he goes over and and he gives this big monologue right before he makes this before she comes into the room. And the, the father of the woman is so excited that someone's here and she's going to inherit this land. And there's all these stakes riding on this proposal working out you know what i mean like the, the father wants his daughter to have financial security mm-hmm. the daughter wants all this property she doesn't want to work you know she just she wants to take all over this this estate and then you know all this stuff and so there's this big monologue that this guy the character that i was working on that he he gives right before she comes in and he's like ah, she's like average but like she's good enough and he's like he's got a heart palpitation but she can take care of him like there were all these negotiations that he's going through and internally mm. to the audience right before she walks in and so deshawn kept pushing me every week because he's like okay listen you're you're doing great but you're playing this as a total business proposition which in my mind the scene was i was like this is business yeah it's like he comes in he's like listen i i, I have a deal for you like mm-hmm. this is it like he lays out the specifics you you know all this stuff and deshawn kept pushing me and pushing me to find love to find love and to find love. And I was so ready to be done with this scene. By the time we were done, I was like get me I I, I was I don't know what else you want me to do. I've done everything I can. I was um, like, you know, we worked on this scene for a really long time because like, we just weren't finding the love. Um and so what so this ties back to the the pandemic headlines is that being single being in this climate, having to go to Indiana by myself and stay by myself, I kept coming back to this character. And mm. I was like, suddenly I want someone, anybody. Like, there was so much love that I'm like, I don't know. Like, literally, any, like, there's, I just want someone to experience this with me because I don't know how much longer it's going to Yeah. How long is this going to happen? You know, my imagination is so fueled by the idea of like, this could be kind of it. You know what I mean? Like, there's just, that's always in the background of mm-hmm. your mind. And yeah. you, and it makes you want to lean in to love. Yeah. You know these times of fear, you want to lean into love, and you the immediacy of needing someone else, and yeah, um, and making those sort of like, uh, um, bargaining with yourself. And so what's interesting is that character just keeps coming up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like now I could do that scene. Like I want to go back and try that scene again because I have all this in- inspiration from my own needs and my own heart. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that was, but that's,
2: I think I that's a, that...
0: really, a really a way of, of saying like talk. So my perspective is that the global pause is putting up all of us in this state of, um, uh, shock because aside from the headlines, aside from the actual, the actuality of what's happening, we have to sit still. And for mm. the first time ever, we have to, um, the voices that sometimes be like, oh, you should think about that thing or you should like maybe question your relationship or you should really contemplate your career right now. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden we have time to do it. That
2: is all you have. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And people actually have to do it and they're trying. I mean, a lot of my clients are really taking their work more seriously. And as you start to pull out those themes of, okay, maybe I'm still lonely even though I'm in a partnership. Like what's that John Mayer song, um, Anyway, love song for no one. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can you have to like grapple with what's really going on inside you, and it sounds like you've been doing that, and so you're able to apply it and and like alchemize this whole situation into something yeah. that's fruitful, yeah. even if painful or hard or totally whatever. Well, that's
1: such a gift. I think I mean that's the the beauty of uh, of creativity. Yeah, you know, yeah. is that. I, I feel really grateful. I mean, having inspiration from hard hardship, I think is, that's all that it takes to be a creative person.
2: Yeah. That,
1: that is it. That is it. Cause I think a lot of people are like, Oh, well I'm not creative. And some people aren't,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know what I mean? Some people have, have way more of this and way less imagination, Yeah. you know, and I envy those people because they can just earn all the money yeah. and not worry about having to talk from their heart. Mm-hmm. I, those people I do envy them like sometimes I'm grateful for my own experience but yeah um but I have to say you know like anything that you go through like talking with you you know because we've had such a like honest dialogue over the the years now about you know what you went through and finding love and 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 loving yourself first before you could open it up and I I always come back to that that when I want something to work out, I always come back to that story you told me about where you were, you know, you'd gone on 50 dates and with 50 mm-hmm. different people in my life. That was yeah. talked, we talked yeah. about that on the podcast, yeah.
3: right? Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Cause that would be shitty if I was just
3: like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're just like, and,
3: and goodbye.
1: <laughs> Closes laptop. Um, no, but, uh, but I, and then you were sitting around with, you said with like your brother and your dad and you were just like, you know what? Honestly, if this is my life, that's yeah. also okay that is just fine. And I think that, that to me, I, it it sort of is the, the, the ability to just be like, you know what, I've got what I've got. And I am going to find inspiration wherever I can. And if this is it, then this is it. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of peace, that inner peace is something that I, I think about a lot.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And, um, I think it's applicable to so many things too, with like the person that's constantly seeking the next step in their career or love or family or the the house, like I have so many clients right now focusing on like their, the house, like they're either saving for the house or they're in the process of getting that. It's like all about that next step in life. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a hard one. It's a really hard one. Have you been
1: able, okay, so here we go. So I got a question for you. I'm going to throw it back and then we'll talk about, we'll talk about what I worked on this year. Yes. Uh, Cause I ha- I have been working. I just, I just haven't necessarily done what I thought I was going to do. Um, <laughs> so with your uh, situation now, so you, you, you moved out of that space where you were like, you just wanted to find someone to share your life with. Mm-hmm you let it go
2: mm-hmm. a it's little bit after a,
1: after a lot of effort, you put a lot of effort in, Lots. then you let, a, yeah, like you're like, you're like, no. that's yeah, you're like, ah, uh, so, so you put in that effort. So mm-hmm. you kind of let the universe know that you wanted it. Then yes. you tried too hard. You kept hitting the send button and yep. emails don't send faster. The more times you hit the send button. Mm-hmm. So then you were sitting with your, your brother, brother's brother,
0: Like all the brothers, the grandparents, like the whole fam. Okay.
1: Got it. So you had the whole family around you and you were like, you know what? This is my family for right now. That's enough. Mm -hmm. That's, you felt that. Yeah. And then, um, and then how much later was it than
0: when you met Jeff? The same month.
1: Okay. So it was just like, boom, turn over. Like you let it go. You finally let it the fuck go.
0: Yeah.
1: You finally let it, but. (laughs) That came after fighting and trying forever. And then you were just exhausted, I'm assuming.
0: Two years of being like super single. Yeah. All the days. Exhausted. Yes.
1: That's, that comes back to your quote too, because that's the point where I think you have to get, and you hear it with actors all the time where they're like, you know what? I'm maybe I'll just become a florist yeah (laughs) Uh, you know what like I'm fine I'll go to law school it's okay it's not the worst case scenario and then that one audition comes in and they're like oh my god this is me yeah and it's always that you always hear that story with like John Hamm and different people I was just talking with um, a friend of mine Jarena DeMarco who's a a Latinx pop singer and she had a similar story you should talk to her because she's great um And she had a similar story that sort of echoed that and i'm kind of getting to that point where it's like
2: okay
1: i got the first taste and then now i'm getting to that point where i'm just like every day i'm taking off one more piece Uh, you know i'm you know it's like it's kind of like your dating anecdote where it's like i'm one more piece i'm just like i don't care like i don't care i'll go into the audition and if they don't like me then i mean How many other you know how many times does Amazon have to say no before I stop caring? <laughs> you know what I mean like like that's that's my you know that's where I'm at um or getting to, and so anyway, so then coming back to you, so then you met Jeff, you've been together for how
0: long now? three years
1: three years Wow, okay, so you so you've been together three years, you're getting married, all this stuff um what do you think about now then is it all oh, has it has that focus shifted to your career where you like where is your because I think it's like whack-a-mole like anxiety whack-a-mole where Literally. it's like you fix one, yeah you yeah. plug one hole and then like the gopher pops up and he's like fuck you bitch your career is not right and you're like
0: ah you're right. yes. <laughs> yes oh my God.
1: that'll be the new quote on t- your merch fuck you yes. bitch your career is not right <laughs> oh yeah <my God.
0: laughs> That's a really good question and it's such a a good topic because I would actually connect it back to the work that I'm talking about with my clients and I think a lot of us are all talking about which is who the heck are we because right now we've detached ourselves like in your case from the city you identify with. We've detached ourselves from like the Wednesday night spin class we go to that makes us who we are. We've detached ourselves from the bars or the juice places that make us who we are and so we're sitting here in a room alone and we're like who the hell am i yeah. right and um once i kind of had this kind of big like you know kismet thing with jeff where it's like okay the universe put this man in front of me that's seemingly checking off all the boxes and it's happening so fast yeah. um he on his own timeline had to buy a house right away, and we found out, or I found out very quickly when he bought a house, and I had the I got a new apartment, and we kind of split. up. We you know basically lived together, but between these two places, I was had a holy shit moment. Like, who am I? What? Yeah. I'm an Indiana girl, and I'm driving to the pharmacy in New Hampshire. Like, who am I? And yeah. uh, so I had to like come to grips with like, whoa, life just gave me everything I wanted, but it happened so fast. So you go yeah. through the, like. Who am I part of it? And then the one thing I, I don't think we, um, and you might've heard of this, but the one thing we don't realize about dating is that dating, even if it's a bad date, even if it's a person that you're not attracted to, dating is the deepest way in some cases that we can connect to ourselves yeah. because you sit down to dinner and the yeah. person's like, tell me about yourself. And you have to be able to say who you are in a yeah. way that, fits like what you're trying to be in this moment. And so when you're going in my case on two dates a week for freaking two years, you're getting that connection to yourself. Because if I show up one night and I'm find myself confident enough to wear a crop top. Right. And I do my makeup a different way. And I feel like really jazzed about myself and I come in stronger to that date. And I present myself in this way, whether the date works or not, I just learned something about What makes me feel good? And so I had to kind of figure out what, how am I going to connect to myself now Mm, and mm. maintain and grow myself in this relationship? And that's, I think, the biggest risk and the biggest reason relationships don't always work is because either A, someone doesn't continue to work on themselves and then they get spiteful, right? Or they do the work and the other person doesn't.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that is so interesting. And so where do you feel like so where do you feel like your anxiety has manifested now then with your uh, cuz you good. feel like this box has been checked. You're like mission accomplished. I mean, you guys seem like a really great pair.
0: I th- I think we're a great pair. I think the biggest thing that's been eye opening for me is um so when I worked with this coach on like alignment in my life and that self-exploration Ooh. all this stuff. Um, a lot of friendships I had took, it took a toll on them because as you change your energetic signature, if you will, mm-hmm. not Ooh, everyone, that's word,
1: energetic signature.
0: Thank you. I cannot take credit. Um, okay. no, okay. but Dr. I like Joe Dispenza, I'll start sending yeah. stuff on Instagram. Um, yeah, yeah,
2: no, I, like this. I
0: love him. So cool as I, as I changed it, um, cause you know, they say like you attract what you are. So if you really apply that and I'm like, I attract Jeff, I was vibrating high. He's highly vibrating, whatever. I actually got really sick in the first year of our relationship, like really sick. And, um, as I crawled out of that, and then you finally right, you know, after we've been engaged, I hire this coach and I'm working on myself. I actually asked her early on. I said, what happens by the way, um, when you do this work on yourself and your partner's not doing it. Uh. And she was like, okay, great question. And she really didn't have a good answer for me other than, um, the more you love yourself, and accept yourself and know yourself, the better you can love someone else. And I was like, "Oh, wow!" I was like, "I can, so, I can well, get ready. behind that." I'm ready now. Okay, so say,
1: can you say it one more time? Say it for the people at home. Say it for the people at home. Or, You're
0: a great corner. host. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He said, um, "The more you know yourself and love yourself, the more you can love your partner." So her kind of. Uh, conclusion or in her words lack thereof was just that um, the more um, comfortable you are with who you are the more you can show up and Mm -hmm. and that doesn't always mean that it's gonna work but the, the best analogy that I have now for my clients after doing this work on myself now doing it with my clients is that you know everything you do in life is like a stair step to the next stair step whatever yeah and each almost like a video game like yeah. i learned about self-love now i'm in level eight like uh-huh. i learned about yeah. whatever now i'm in level nine it's like every level you get to it's like a new world new perspective new lens uh-huh. i would get to the new level and jeff would be right there and uh-huh. i was like oh shit this yeah. is so that that's okay. kind of been my experience with it I like
2: i love
0: you <laughs> yeah yeah but i feel so lucky for that um and but you know i know that that's not always the case so i can't make that promise to you know people but i think that um as much as you can spend time dating and working on yourself you have to promise yourself to keep doing it
1: can i, I so this is we're reading this book our acting class shifted online so it's become theoretical oh, cool. but we're reading this book called free play Okay. Uh, and it's an acting book, but it's actually about life. it's about connecting like your life to your work and uh, can I read like an anecdote? do we
0: have time? For this? please we have we have,
1: we have time, we have time I mean, right we're all still in quarantine right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So this book this is just part of the introduction, and this is what we're reading right now in class and uh i don't it's just I found it really impactful um on everything about letting go to me, I interpreted it as letting go because here's the thing. When you start doing what you're meant to do, I believe you're, you're, you're hooked by the fact that you're naturally gifted. You know, your people will tell you you're talented. You have that thing. You, you will, they'll give you a job. You know, because you just have that thing, that thing that not everybody else has in this field, you know, because not that everybody else is bad, but maybe people haven't found their purpose yet. Yeah. So, but then after that comes the work and the work is life. That's getting beat down. That's going in and not getting the job. That's being told no a million times before you get that 50th yes. You know, that re- reaffirming firming. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and that is life in between that first job and that 50th potential job. That's where life is it's happening. Ooh. And that yeah. And that's, I think what your whole purpose of the podcast was like, do what are you doing on the, in the, in between? Yeah. And, and I think living is the answer. And, and so this book, the introduction, I just found, I uh, the prologue I found. It's called uh, a new flute um okay so this is uh an anecdote that the guy a new flute was invented in china a japanese master musician discovered the subtle beauties of its tone and brought it back home where he gave concerts all around the country one evening he played with a community of musicians and music lovers who lived in a certain town at the end of the concert his name was called he took out the new flute and played one piece when he finished there was a silence Oh no. My iPad died.
0: Oh no! Oh. We can, you know what I can always oh you can either charge it or I can always um find it and share it too.
3: Yeah. So
1: if you wanna if you wanna find it and share it. Yeah. So basically what happens is, spoiler alert, this guy this guy, um is a brilliant musician and I'll just retell it. So he, he uses this, this new flute. He plays for these, uh, this village of musicians. And and after that silence, one of the guys stands up and he says, uh, it was like a God, how he played. It was like a God. So the, the musicians get together and they, they go to this master musician and they say, would you please take a pupil? And he said, sure. So the people in the village, they select the youngest, brightest student, right? He's the young, hot thing. He is the one that's going to do the job. They pay for his classes. They send him to go train with with this master to play this new flute. The the young student gets there. And uh, when he arrives, he is handed only one piece of music. And it's simple. And so he goes and he plays it with perfect form. He learns every note and he plays it exactly right. And when he goes to the master to show him what he's been working on, the master says, there's something lacking. It's not Hmm. right. It's not right. He goes back every day for months and months and months. He's just trying this simple song and he just can't seem to get it. And the more that he goes after it, the more despondent he becomes. He slips into despair and self-doubt because this simple song, has now gotten into his, his subconscious and made him doubt himself. And so then after, you know, uh, being told so many times that there, he just isn't enough. He sort of sneaks out of the master's, uh, house and he goes into the city. He uses all the money that he has left in the city to just drink and hang out. He is eventually goes home to his village, but he lives in like the suburb part because he's so embarrassed. He's too embarrassed to show his face that he somehow failed, uh. right? Living in his failure. So eventually one day, the people from the village come find this man who was once the bright young student and he's uh, you know, living in this hut outside the village and they say they're putting on a concert and he's, they're, they're not gonna do the concert without him. He has to come play. So he, without even paying attention, he grabs a flute, walks with them to the concert, wherever it was, and it at, once he arrives, he realizes he actually grabbed the new flute that they had initially wanted him to play, and he plays a song for this group of people, and at the end, there's another long silence, and somebody stands up in the back, and they say, like a god.
0: No chills wow and it
1: took all of that in between that was his training yeah not just the education with the master but the drinking in the city the falling into despair the self-doubt and all of that and getting dragged out of that yeah that that's the cycle
0: oh i feel that so hard with um what I went through with my book and everything too, like you have to experience. I mean, we we talked about failure a million times before, but I think most of the listeners too would agree. Like, failure is a huge part of it, but mm-hmm. it's also like what you do, like mm-hmm. during the failure, after the failure, with your life, um, mm-hmm. and peeling off. I mean, I'm sure right now you're. It seems, and you can share with the listeners, but like it seems like you've been so focused on your career and your work and all of that. And when that's so much of your time and your energy and your life, it's really hard not to let failure like identify you.
1: Totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's a daily practice. It's it's a daily practice of just being like, you know, I have to write down um, things that successes, you know, I write down successes that I have uh, every day because um, cause I have to remind myself, you know, like there's just, uh, there's a million reasons why something can't work out. And, um, it, and when it doesn't, it hurts. And then you, but I, I guess there's this quote from, from the show my mom watches called uh, Call the Midwife. She like loves this. My mom loves like, she loves like PBS British, like the driest PBS British dramas. My mom is like deeply into. And so she quotes them all the time. And so, but there's this quote that, that I really like and it's don't let misery make a home. And I think not letting misery make a home in my career and in my, my daily approach to the work is something that I've, um that I think a lot about. Um, yeah.
0: That's a really good way to put it. It does yeah. like, um I've been skewing over this concept of like thoughts, emotions, um I- events are all part of like your ecology, but they're not yeah. they're not you. So I like that. Totally. I like that totally.
1: And you know, and also the the other thing is to say, you know, I'm grateful for my my um, process with everything because I look back at American Woman and I see, you know, some things that were good and working, but I'm like, I see a person who needed a lot more time to sort of get the hang of things and, and to come back at it, you know, the, at the work with um, more skills and more of a toolbox. And, you know, it, it also what i it's a blessing because you're like get back to work yeah you know like a, like i'm not sitting here and luckily i'm not sitting here right now being like oh well that was a while ago and you know that was a year ago and i haven't done anything since then it's like i've put in so much effort and i and i've thought and i've strategized and so enacting a plan i think yeah. can be the big silver lining of failing
0: in How did you find the – because I get this question a lot. Maybe you do too, but like what is inspiration? What is motivation? Like what does that feel like? How do you have it? How do you keep it? It's all about this idea that this thing almost like it's a pill is going to yeah. make us do the thing we think we know we should do. So for yeah. you, like you made a pretty intense plan of attack with TikTok, and like, yeah. yeah, not only made the plan, but you stuck to it. You followed through. You did all of the fundraising and and yeah. doing all that. So I'd love for you to talk to maybe talk yeah. through what your psyche was as you decided to wade through that.
1: Well, so I knew I needed to direct something else. I knew I needed to direct something because I had finished my thesis film while I was shooting American Woman and then um, and then I knew I had to do another project. And so I kind of had this idea of this person dealing with like identity issues and, and sort of like figuring out what, you know, who they wanted to be in the world and feeling like they were too late and like they'd missed the boat and all these things that I think you feel in your late 20s. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so i so i wrote this story um about a woman in her late 30s who is feeling all those kind of ways about um having children and being married and that sort of ticking clock biologically that everybody talks about and so um so i wrote the script and i had john Rigi who executive produced 30 rock and some shows like that. And now he's working on another show with Tina Fey. And, um, so I had, so he was, he was nice enough to to come on board as an executive producer. And then, um, I, uh, so, so then I wrote the script and then I saw how much money I was going to need. And I've kind of started, started assembling a cast of people. And then from, you know, either the TV show or, you know, um, a big inspiration for my whole life is this movie called Donnie Darko. And so I took a lot of the, um, or not a lot, but I took the cast two people from the cast from that film that I wanted to work with. And um, that sort of all just manifested as the more work I put in, the more r- returns I saw.
2: Nice.
1: Um, so yeah. So once I had a script, then, and I, it was pretty much locked down. Then I, Had to sort of get together, put on my like pre-production hat, my fundraising hat. And so then there's this uh, website called Seed&Spark for anybody who's trying to raise money for a film, I recommend Seed&Spark. And And they have all these videos. They have like a, a crowdfunding charm school is what they call it. And so you have to take their classes. So it teaches you how to be like charming and get what you want out of people and in an authentic way. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a very authentic way of crowdfunding. And so, you know, you do a lot of outreach and I reach out to people and people who know me and people who maybe are interested in this. So you're reaching out to all these different communities and building a sort of fan base before you ever even start rolling. And
0: can you hear me? You froze. Um, There you go.
1: Oh yeah. Ah, oh yeah. So I, so I did these videos. I don't know. Is this all helpful? Is this?
0: Yeah, no, I love, I love it. I don't think a lot of people understand anything about the industry unless they're in it and Got the- it. it goes in behind. Yeah.
1: It. So this was like super indie with just like connections to friends that I had, you know, in the, in the industry. Um, and so, Oh, so then I, so then I, I shot these videos right before we spoke. I had shot these videos with um, Beth Grant, who was one of the actors and then Jen and then John Regie. I had shot these like comedy sketches that I was actually editing last time we talked. I was like finishing up editing. So I made this like really tight little comedy video that made people laugh. And then I would send that out. And then because I had a, a, a sort of all short sketch show, that I was sending out to ask for money that I was like, "Oh, this is funny, watch this." Then suddenly people I think were just more forthcoming with donations. Wow and so I ended up doing that, and then I raised 15 grand online and then I raised another five grand separately That's awesome. From like fundraising, just I had like a, a mixer event with like you know um, where all the alcohol donation or all the alcohol purchases and all the art purchased at this gallery like went to the film. Wow. Yeah, so we ended up raising um a decent amount of money, which still ended up not being enough. Uh <laughs> and then uh yeah and then we shot the thing. And
2: yeah,
1: editing go? the film now. Um so it was so I was calling it a typhoon of shit, but it actually and then my friends were like, you need to find a better name for this. And so <laughs> uh, so I ended up calling it a typhoon of destiny. Ooh. Yeah. So there was, you know, everything was going wrong. So, uh, okay. So let me tell you what went right. So you'll appreciate this. These are like signs because I believe in signs. Okay. If, you're, if you're open to signs, you're going to get signs everywhere everywhere you go, you're going to get like really crazy. Like why? I can't believe that that's happening. Yeah. So I went out, one of my friends randomly posted, uh, this was right before we, well, I was in the middle of crowdfunding and one of my friends had posted on Instagram in last April, it was on Easter, um, that Donnie Darko was playing at the Aero theater in Santa Monica and so I just went by myself because I loved Donnie Darko. I was like, I'm working with Beth. I was, I was talking to Craig T. Nelson is who I really wanted to play the dad in my film. And so I had had the script out to him, but then I didn't know who was going to play the dad. And the dad is so closely linked to my actual relationship with my dad that mm-hmm. I, I was very protective about the casting.
3: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I mean? And so there was a big question mark. And so I go to watch Donnie Darko at the Arrow Theater. And as I sit down, and I'm like taking pictures with the bunny rabbit and all, because there's like this bunny rabbit. I guess that's why they showed it on Easter. I don't know. And so I, I go sit in the theater and I sit down. And before the show starts, somebody runs down and they're like, hey, welcome to our screening. They actually filmed Donnie Darko at this theater. You know, like there's a scene in the movie where they're at a movie theater. It's actually shot at this theater. And I'm sitting in the seats where they shot it. And I'm like, like where the characters are sitting. Oh my and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. So then as I'm watching the film, this guy, the dad shows up. He's an actor named Holmes Osborne. He pops up, he plays the dad in the movie. And I'm like, that's my dad. That's that's him. Like, that's the guy. And so then it just became a mission of how do I get this person
0: yeah. into the
1: film? And um, so... I did that.
2: <laughs> Amazing.
1: <laughs> and uh and it's funny cuz his name is Holmes Osborne. And your and, last name. Well, my middle name is Osborne, my last name is oh, Morgan. Yeah. And then my dad's name is Osborne. So I was like, oh, that's oh crazy. My
2: gosh. Yeah,
1: so I was like that's a coincidence. And then um and then so we went and we shot the film um and it was just like I felt like I was walking in my path like in my purpose but everything was going wrong (laughs) as one thing would get go properly then like three things would go wrong but you hear that time and time again I think it is it's like a typhoon you know when the hot front and the cold front come in and they're all just swirling but you feel so centered I felt so centered even though things were going wrong I was exhausted but I was like I was a rock yeah you know and um And so then, so we go through this experience and it's, you know, just bringing it together. And luckily I had an amazing cast who just like was always there and always down and just nailed it. I'm really, really excited for people to see the film. Um, So then on the last day, I'm sitting, or the day after I just put Holmes on, because he lives in uh, Missouri. And so I um, put him on a, you know, on a flight to go home. and all that and I'm sitting in the, this coffee shop in Silver Lake uh, with John Regie, the executive producer and we're talking and and this is a coffee shop I've been to a million times and apparently they had started showing movies on the wall at the coffee shop like in the time that I I hadn't been there and when we came back and so when I walked in it was on Zoolander the yeah there was like that was the DVD they picked and so I wasn't paying attention we were just talking and in the time that I wasn't paying attention, they had switched the DVD to Donnie Darko. And I look up and on the wall, it's Holmes looking down at me.
0: Oh and my like, gosh.
1: That, that's just like a perfect bookend to this experience. I was like, everything's going to be just fine.
0: Yeah, that's you know I mean?
1: really I was like, everything's going to be just fine. And um, so uh, so that was that experience. And um, yeah, now I'm trying to, to finish it properly, which I could be more diligent about the editing, but I just, I don't know. I really just took my time.
0: Yeah, so what is that process like in regards to timelines? Is it something where yeah. you're in complete control? You could sit on it for a year. You're trying to get it yeah. out by a certain date because the actors need it out for, you know, like yeah. that.
1: Um, I mean... <laughs> It is your own thing. I think for me, it was just getting it to a place where when I saw the first cut, I was sort of like nauseated because I was just like, uh, like the assembly cut. But I think Martin Scorsese says something too. Like, if you're not like sickened by the first cut of your film, then like you're not doing it right. I could be totally misquoting, but that's, that helped me get through it. (laughs) So so, yeah, so I felt that. And I have an amazing editor, David, Um, he edited my last short film and so, you know, I'm slowly getting there and it's pretty much done, but it's just been, um, a lot of like doubt and like, you know, you're kind of like, uh, is that what it's supposed to look like? It's just hard. I mean, it's just hard because you have a script and you envision it one way and then it comes out. And you have what you have and, you know, you can't really go back and like redo it. And so there's just a lot of, you know, Mm. doubt is the word I would use. And um, I, I wish I would have been more diligent about just like cranking it out right before this all went went down. So I could just send it to, because once you picture lock the film, Mm-hmm. Then you have to send it to um, like color correction so that they make all the images like have a color palette and then you send it to a sound mixer, like, like yeah. a sound design person. So they have like all the off-screen, like, Hey, we're, you know, we're so-and-so when they're not on camera and all the sounds they call it sweetening the sound where it's like, if you have like, you know, somebody getting punched and you want to hear, you have, a, you have a separate punch that you just line up. You know what I mean? So you sweeten the audio and then there's like um, a composer, wow I have in France that I really am excited to work with, but I'm like none of these people can do anything' because, mm. you know, yeah,' cause I didn't push, but yeah. yeah, exactly so now so now it's just a matter of like there's no excuse, I just have to make it happen, and yeah. uh i hope it's funny i mean like that's the the one thing is like
0: especially with jen she's freaking hilarious yeah
1: she's great there's like there's some really really good good stuff i kind of don't know i i just don't know I when don't know. He,
0: um like when would your goal be to have it out and in the in this type of industry being like an industry, yeah, where would you yeah. To?
1: not anytime soon um <laughs> i feel bad for everybody who you know had their films in festivals and stuff because it's tricky you know what i mean because you can't double premiere you know what i mean like the thing is is like when you make a film i mean maybe you can if i'm wrong somebody correct me but like i in my understanding it's like you know a lot of the film festivals have gone online so they're like grappling with that but you're not going to get your experience of it being like you know, the audience feeling it for the first time, you know what I mean? Like getting that read, that emotional thermometer, which can be a horrible experience too, (laughs) if if it's a bad film, but if it's a really affecting film, you know, or a funny film, and you get to hear those laughs and you get to see where people like saw something that you didn't necessarily intend on. And, you know, I feel I, I, my heart goes out to filmmakers because having gone through a big film festival circuit with my last, last project, I, I, um, definitely uh valued that experience and getting to, to to celebrate you know getting as a filmmaker getting to celebrate is yeah. such a rare moment
0: yeah you're right we know i think a lot of creatives don't take time to celebrate yeah
1: totally totally i that's yes that is 100 percent. i think that reminder to celebrate your success and to be in this like it's almost like summer camp like going to a film festival it's like we all won like we all yeah. you know we've done it we like made our film it's out you know we don't have to complain about it we can just be like complimentary and love each other and
0: yes you Um, know
1: take meetings and
0: whatever go for summer camp right now
1: i know well you're kind of at a summer camp
0: i'm kind of at a summer camp yeah that's
1: that's, that was the year that was the year
0: that's an insane amount of work in a year is it i don't know i think it's insane I mean, I think the part that most people stop at is the script. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I've like, stopped there a million times too.
0: <laughs> but once you had it, you just kept running with it. And I think yeah, that
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it takes a lot. And I guess what I've learned from you in watching you and, and talking to you and, and seeing it, you know, even just on Instagram, like the work as a producer and what goes into that. From the financing to the casting, all of that is, um, has to be so intentional. And it's kind of like a big orchestra in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's just a massive project.
1: Well, and the other thing is, what I learned is, like, I am a fantastic – I mean, <laughs> there are people that would disagree, but I feel like at what I learned from directing TikTok, because you have to understand, on the front end of TikTok – I have a conservatory training at NYU. I have a film festival circuit with my last short film. So I was like, I had that experience, but I I had not worked as a professional actor on a set with more reputable people. And so so I went from that sort of expert scenario where it's like I got a grant for my film and I'd won all these awards for my last short film. And then I went into shooting American Woman, where as I mentioned earlier, I, I see that and I see just somebody so small. I squished myself because I was so afraid. I was so intimidated. Intimidated is probably a better word.
0: Oh, I would be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was very intimidated. Um, had that experience, lived that experience. And then I came to TikTok with both of those. And I have to say the actors, whatever happens with the film, it happens. But the performances from the actors and I, I don't think that I really squished them at all and I had an ensemble cast I had you know seven different actors with all different levels of experience and training backgrounds and I my goal was to keep all their channels open don't shut them down bring let their genius come to the table like let their life and their love come out and just because it doesn't match my vision a hundred percent doesn't mean it's not valid and can't be used Mm. so so leadership. yeah, yeah, I came back a lot to um, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie, because I don't think I have to be the person with the best idea, because I'll take credit for the best idea. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But it's true. It really is true. Like I'm the director of the project, but that doesn't mean I have to be uh, tyrannical. I yeah. think it can be very uh, inviting and playful being a director as stressful as it is with producers and money and all that stuff. I think keeping it light and playful and open for people to just surprise you. Yeah. You know, and sometimes they're like a hundred percent wrong and you're like, you know, you have to, you have to just do what it says in the script, but some, but most of the time, most of the time, I think there's a lot of leeway for people to just bring their good ideas. And so I have to say the one thing that I heard from from people, from producers and from actors and stuff on this experience was like, this is something you should be doing. <gasps> like you're good at this.
0: That is huge.
1: Yeah, so I really wanna, pe- I wanna maintain that inspiration and hopefully my goal, like as we were talking about ma- manifesting things and yeah. I, what I really wanna do is I wanna have a show that allows people to have a platform. I want actors to have a, a platform to do their best work. You know, to invite my friends and colleagues and all these people out to just work and do, you know, their yeah. best.
0: So th- does that mean that in the midst of like this global pause and mm-hmm. editing that you're turning to writing? Are you, are you writing when you're inspired? Or are you writing consistently? Oh, and I'm talking? writing music. Can,
2: oh I my play, can I play you some songs? Please.
1: Okay.
0: That's right. awesome
1: that's what i've been writing so far and i learned harmonica
0: i saw that <laughs> that was awesome
1: that was day one that's day one by the way okay. i have to work I, I know it's not perfect but i'm i'm gonna get there one day
2: yes um
1: will. okay this song well here i'll play you one song that i wrote i'll play you a song that i didn't write and then i'll play you a song that i wrote is that okay, okay.
0: Yes, you're the first guitarist to, to play on the <laughs> yeah. I've had There's a singer, really but
2: awesome. This
1: is just the cover, but you'll appreciate it. This is good for quarantine. Yes. Um, <laughs> as I drop the guitar.
2: All right.
3: I went out walking. I don't do that much talking these days. These days. These days I seem to think a lot about the things that I forgot to do. And all the time I had a chance to. Oh, when I start my rambling, no, I don't do that much gambling these days. These days, these days I seem to think a lot of how all these changes came about my way. And then I wonder if I see another highway. Oh, and I had a lover. But I don't think I risk another these days. These days. These days I sit on cornerstones and count the time and quarter turns to ten. Please don't confront me with my failure. I have not forgotten them. La, 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 la. I have not forgotten them.
0: That last line. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. That's a
1: good quarantine song. That's- I didn't know that. Jackson Brown wrote it. For yep. anybody. Wait. This is a song that's not done, but I'll play it for you guys. Okay. And then this is faster, and then I'll put down the guitar. <laughs> this one's kind. It kind of ties into your dating story, I think. Your dating narrative.
3: You came into my room and I said that I think you are the one. I crawled into your bed these summer nights for moons have come and gone. Well, how could I be so wrong? How could I be so wrong? Silk screen, Billie Jean, a Gemini, beauty queen, snake skin, a diamond bag, your love, a heart attack. But one big heart attack. One big heart attack. You broke through boarded doors like Genghis Khan. You took no prisoners. And I lay here belly up, just take it off. What's mine is your What's mine is your Cause you're a screen, Billie Jean, Gemini. Beauty queen, snake skin, diamond bat, your love, a heart attack. One big heart attack. Cause those summer nights, they come and go, you know. And if you love me, then just, babe let me know cause all summer nights they come and go you know and if you don't love me then just baby let me go <clears throat> Silkscreen, screen, Billie Jean, a Gemini, beauty queen, snake skin, a diamond bag, your love, a heart attack, a hey. one big heart attack, one big heart attack, one big heart attack. Something
0: like that. And what's it called?
1: A heart attack, I guess.
0: I was I just know. gonna say that's incredible. Yeah. I love the summer, the summer um the lyrics about the summer because too, because so much of I mean dating's easy yeah. for
2: summer. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. But so- that's
1: like uh, But you know what's funny is like that those feelings are so non linear and non literal, which I love. You know what I mean? Like you can feel one date with someone that didn't go well and maybe you didn't even like sleep together or anything, but you still felt something like that potential of like, what you thought it could have been with this person yeah. that you don't know at all could be
2: <laughs> oh my God.
1: an entire album. You know what I mean? And yeah. then, but then sometimes you're in a relationship with someone and that fuels zero and you're like, where, I don't understand how this works.
0: That's such a good
1: point. Isn't it crazy? Like where inspiration can just come from anywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I have been dealing, not dealing, I've been contemplating the idea that time isn't real.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah. And yes. Has that happened since quarantine? <laughs>
0: um, I think it started actually with my coach, but... Um,
1: yeah, but no, I it, agree though.
0: It also makes you think about um, other relationships you've had or dates you've had and how that part of you is still existing out there in other, yeah. you know, in other dimensions if you will so it's an interesting way to to think about that and um
1: I always think that about um like supernatural stuff yeah like like when I think of how I feel about like ghosts and you know supernatural encounters and stuff I've never I had one kind of weird one but like for the most part I'm not really that person But my sister's house has all kinds of weird stuff because it was built in the twenties and her barn was from the 1860s. So a lot of like energy has moved through this place. And whenever, whenever they like renovate or whatever, like just stuff goes down, right? Like stuff just goes down. Things go missing and show up somewhere else. You know, you'll like curtains will that you just closed will end up open again. Like, you know, stuff. Okay. But the way that I feel about it, cause I think it's our first reaction is like, oh, you know, it's some sort of like spiritual entity or whatever. Um, but I also think about it in terms of space and time. Like, I think whenever anything happens, we leave like time, time stamps. You know, like when you read a text and it's like sent at whatever, yeah. I think sometimes there's like time loops, like this conversation we're having right now will happen infinitely. So somebody yeah. in a hundred years, could be sitting in this cabin or whatever and being like, oh my God, I saw someone in a chair.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, but it's just, it's just the, I think that, I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with us so much as it's just these time stamps are left all over.
0: That's a good way to explain it.
1: You know what I mean? Like when I think about my sister's house, I'm like, yeah, there's definitely like families that still exist in this sort of like time loop. Yeah. There has to be. If time is infinite. Yeah then there must still be all those people existing and everybody who's ever existed exists in that house and
0: yeah this is also awesome. this conversation is making me hope that i'm going to just drop this friday cuz i'm like doing so many interviews i'm like i have i want to just give people all the content that yeah. i hope people i hope people who have the time to think are going to think on this one i know
1: <laughs> well it. i hope people i hope people god did we did i totally mess this up i feel like no. i I talked
0: about no no you you always give such an interesting perspective and I think um and I don't know but I I would like to think and I'm not going to put this part in there because I don't want people to know my total inner thoughts but (laughs) I'd like to think that my listeners are on the cusp of doing something that lights them up I'd like Mm -hmm. to think that and this is just based on people who see my stories and people yeah, yeah, yeah. know about the podcast who i'm thinking are listening um i wouldn't say that and this is probably just true of the population not everyone's doing what they love right so when i interview an expert in i don't know I, I guess i tend to to interview more creatives anyway but if i interview a real estate person yeah, that's yeah. all fine and good. And maybe they could glean some insight in how to do business development. I don't know, but I think when people hear from you and, and other creatives like you, it's just a window into um, the amount of self-trust that it takes mm. to do this type of work and to follow your heart and to not give yeah. up and to do all the things that I like to stand for. So I think it's yeah. impactful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm happy to be, Like sharing my sort of experience with everything, because it's it's been so roundabout. You know what I mean? It hasn't been a perfect line, yeah, for me at all. You know what I mean? It it hasn't. It certainly hasn't been one one thing one way or the other. I'm kind of always shocked by how um, paradoxical, I guess, the whole experience of this type of lifestyle. Yes. Be. You can no, experience even... it, like the highest high, like you know, with my friends who are on TV shows and filing for unemployment. If you would have explained that to me in high school, that somebody on you know, like a TV show on national TV, with all the lights and premiere parties would have to, you know, but that's realistic. That's just being a freelancer, yeah. But then you would in high school, you would have had to define the word freelance to me,
0: <laughs> true. I always you know, thought of that, yeah.
1: So there's just like a lot of. There's a lot of um the learning curve is pretty steep, I think when you decide to do what we've
0: yeah well, and you have to know yourself to know like you were talking about, um and you did such a great job explaining it, just like where where do I get inspiration, how do I become inspired, how do I create what is creating what mm-hmm. am I, you know for you right now, leaning into music is something yeah. you've been inspired to do, which is awesome, and clearly, you're putting together amazing songs, but um,
1: yeah, I'm having fun, like yeah, and I like the immediacy of um, of 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 the musical connection um but I do think you know for me i i'm I'm just sort of meditating on that flute story, the new flute where it's like, you know, you get, you get told or you get given an opportunity because you are the brightest for a second. You know, you're the brightest uh, uh, pupil that they've got. And so you, you take that opportunity and then that, that period of becoming a master, becoming connected to yourself, the godlike master, is actually you getting uh, humbled so deeply
0: Ooh, yeah
1: you know and 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 humbled not in the sense that your work isn't necessarily there but humbled in the sense that even as hard as you work and as much effort as you put into it you have to just go through this 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 (laughs) yeah
0: but um your voice is incredible I think I'm going to be wondering all day I'm like I feel like you remind me of someone and I can't put my finger on it when you sing have you has anyone told you who you sound like um I get a
1: bunch of different people they're all uh white guys so that (laughs) um yeah no I don't know I mean who knows I, I feel like I haven't landed exactly on my Cause it's all a little bit like country, a little folky, a little
0: yeah. It's like a little bit of your Indiana flair, honestly. Totally, totally. It's
1: funny because it all comes out. It all comes out in my music. Yeah. Whenever I write, it's always these like weird, not weird, but these just sort yeah. of like, you know.
0: One that you, one that you were playing, I think one time on Instagram, reminded me of being at like um. A concert at what well, we used to call it. It was Deer
2: called
0: Deer. Deer 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 Creek. Yeah, yeah. And well, I, I it wasn't like John Mellencamp, but it was like something a little more alternative, but like also folky. And I was like, oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. No. I. You know. And that's. I. I think it's always going to be probably who I am. I think at my core, I think that's mm-hmm. that's always going to be the.
0: I try to remember it honestly because sometimes I think I forget, and I'm like, I should really try to identify with that part of me it's
1: yeah yeah I agree I mean I think it's but but then you know it all gives way and there's like a new you as well yeah you know what I mean there's the person who lives in the big city and is on the coast and you know you see it a lot I mean I think the the common one before before all we had to talk about was (laughs) you know the thing the, the you know then it was all all political ideologies since like 2016 or 2015 probably even mm-hmm. and i feel like that was a big i felt a death in that experience of because i i'm not a i'm not a wildly political person but i do believe in like fundamental human decency and like being kind to each other and not hurting people, <laughs> like, you know, like those are things that I believe in. And when I, when I started seeing people that, you know, you and I grew up with and.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Attitudes towards people and realizing that they'd felt that way the entire time that it felt like a death because I was like, I can't, I, I mean, I can't stand behind this.
0: That might've been the time I started leaning a little bit more into Boston, honestly. Yeah.
1: Because you you felt – I felt homeless. I felt culturally homeless because I was like, well, that's where I'm from and that's how I identify. I don't
0: identify that way, yeah. yeah. My mom went through that because of, like, you know, political signs in her neighborhood. And she's like, what?
1: Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. Because because I think we all were just like, oh, well – but, like, not like that. And then people are like, oh, no, like, we are like that. And you're like – Yeah. You're like, but you – you know, I'm sure for you, it's like wait, but we like we're on cheerleading squads together, and like,
2: yeah.
0: you felt this
1: way about like everyone.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: you know what I mean. Like that sort of shook my core. Yeah, and where I felt at home, I suddenly suddenly felt like coming home to Indiana was like this experience of kind of. It's funny, I it did feel like a virus because I was like, who is all this like bigoted talk and behavior towards people that I was like,
3: because
1: remember when there was a person that we won't name, but in high school, in our freshman year, when we were all at the freshman campus, um, somebody wrote this essay (gasps) that had the N word in it, like all over and how they were like less, how black people were like less than white people. And there was this whole uh, essay that he wrote and turned in as what we all assumed was like a really bad joke. And I remember it was like it flared up, like because yes. there was all this like this like sort of outcry around the fact that he could even yeah. think that that was remotely funny and And I kept coming back to that and things that you would hear in passing, and then suddenly realizing that actually a lot of people weren't even kidding yeah that's that's what really disturbed me, and it kind of made me feel like, yeah. oh this is, i this is not home
0: yeah, you know. I think it's like what I was saying about like, oh, I should remember I'm from there. Like, I think the part of me that wants to do that is a 100% like in my mind, it's almost like I've created, like we all do it with our, our own past, like an idealist memory of it. Okay, the rose colored lenses. Yes. And it's almost like that's what I want to identify with. But you're right. If I went back in time and I saw some of like the like jocks that made jokes, like yeah. they're adults now and they probably feel the exact same way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Nobody's challenged that behavior, like they've never reflected on that behavior and and that. It, yeah, it just made me feel like really disturbed. Yeah. By being home, so I I don't know. So that was so. I, it's interesting because like as far away as I feel, it's always in the music though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like not 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 like bigotry and racism, but just like my <laughs> my. Yeah. Precuality. Exactly. Let me. You, uh, yeah. Nobody, But just that that feeling of of homeness, that feeling of like bonfires on Geist Lake, like, you know what I mean? Like going to see like Tom Petty in the summertime and, you know, being out in like, you know, people's driveways, like sitting, like talking. And I don't know, like it's, it's, uh, the past is funny in that way.
2: Mm -hmm. because
1: when you break it down for what it really was it's so you're like that's messed up that's messed up that shouldn't have happened that was hard yeah exactly that was hard that was horrible but then there's also this other like parallel column that's like you know oh but like that was nice or like the jeep with like you know no sides and like jack's jeep is like such um, a like
0: Jack's Jeep.
1: Jack's Jeep is just like ultimate nostalgia. It was nostalgic.
0: Iconic.
1: There. Yeah, it really was. That salmon colored Jeep.
0: Oh my God. I totally forgot about that.
1: Remember it was like the, that. It yeah. had like, like, I, like, he
0: taught me how to drive it unsuccessfully. Yeah. but <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to mess up driving a manual car, I think that's the one to do it in.
0: Yeah. That's but, wild. I, I mean, I think everyone's doing it, but I was reflecting a lot on like these like very sweet good natured dates that like, do you remember Eric Ogle? Yes. Eric Ogle took me on this date that like should be in a movie someday. Um, where we were walking along the sides of a cornfield that was about as tall as I was. And he was like, I promise I'll get you home by curfew. I promise we're safe. I promise. He was super nervous. We're out in the middle of this cornfield. And then he's like, I think it would be faster if we just walk through the middle of it. So I'm like, all right. So there's, you know, spiders and rats and all this stuff. We're going through this cornfield and he t- took me to the rock quarry to like throw rocks into the rock quarry and like ended up being like kind of fun. Yeah. And like adventurous and like Jack one time lit up um candlelight yeah. all the way down the stair steps to yeah. I think it was like Drew Crow's boat or something. Oh my And gosh. like we like had this dinner on the boat and I'm like what good young men. Yeah. Like Yeah That was so sweet. wait hold on
1: can i ask you one more question what was that like for you see because i i mean i my relationships in high school they were never i mean they were nice but they weren't like that but you i think you might have had an experience that was more like um well i guess we had similar friends but i think you were more like popular i would say like in the sense that you had like really nice like people were doing like really nice things for you dating wise and question so then my question is because like just because I know you and like I I just that's my observation from the outside but then I'm sure it felt different on the inside but flash forward to that time a couple years ago before you and Jeff had had met and everything were you like looking around like after 50 shit dates like what in the fuck what happened
0: yeah the
1: guys used to be so nice and like cool
0: I mean, that was my narrative. Um, I would tell everyone I could in Boston how shitty men were on the East Coast because in Chicago, the same thing happened. Like, if you ever feel like you need to go somewhere to meet nice people, that that there's like a real dating scene, go to Chicago because... very common place to get I'll to put that
1: out. on my dating apps i'm just here <laughs> i don't live here i'm just here for the dating
0: <laughs> yeah came here date. um guys would ask and and it's normal to like ask girls out at bars like old times like a lot of my friends in chicago now are dating men that they very met seriously at. that they met at a bar and yeah. um i would get you know a compliment like hey you seem really nice like can i get your number like a couple different offices i was at like this one guy took me on i really didn't like him but i i knew he was nice and i could maybe learn something from maybe it's friendship whatever so i told him i'd only go out on a day date and he took me on this wonderful day date on a beautiful fall day and like we did saw the sculptures and um it was super like everyone was treating me like high school boys treated me it was all very aligned and when i got to boston my tagline i think i said in my book was that in chicago i would get the attention of like an eight or a nine and he'd treat me like a 10 and in Boston I would get stood up by someone who's trying to be a five yeah and I would get stood up by that you know or I would be let down by that or I'd get played by that or that guy had a secret girlfriend and like there was what do you
1: think was the the reasoning or like the rationale
0: you know I think that that was the height of like uh our world accepting apps it was very new and there were people like me who were playing it very real. Like, oh, this is a really cool opportunity. I'm going to do it. I'm yeah, yo, that's like, that's great. I'd love to meet you. Yeah. But I think there were people who were more like, for instance, to sum it all up, I got a Facebook message once that said, hey, just wanted to make sure you were real. My buddy went out with you and I'm pissed. He, he ended up going out with you first because based on your profile picture, we thought you weren't real. And we, um, I, I was gonna, we were both driving down from New Hampshire to go out in the city and turned on the app. And I was like, first of all, why do you need to tell me that? Second of all, you're married. Like, yeah. like,
1: you're like why are you turning on the app, period? Like yeah. you shouldn't have it on the
0: phone. Yeah, so it was kind of like, I think a game for people. And I wasn't treating it that way. But also, you know, timing, life, I probably wasn't ready myself and I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think you have to just keep your own true intention, even if someone else isn't there, because like that's the only thing that got me through it. Like every yeah. day, every day is like an opportunity. And honestly, I think I'm still connected on Instagram to like some of the people that I did like two or three dates with, but like, yeah. I dated them in Colorado cause I was on vacation. Like, I don't know. But I
1: think it's also a lesson too, in bringing your own values, like, because you, 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 i think it's natural to like try and get on their level you're yeah. like okay and then and then suddenly you look around and you're like well i'm not the type of person who does this and like so then you have to come back and i think that's how you it's like the flute the the new flute scenario where it's like you have to go through that to come back to who you were in the first place the letting go to come back to who you actually have always been
0: yeah and the thing about dating is it can be a really fun adventure. Like I did this exercise the other, not the other day, a couple of months ago where I was tracking the amount of times in my life that life didn't like that. I completely let, let go of everything. And it ended up being that, um, one of the times was I went on a, a date, a coffee date, and this guy is just, he's super charismatic. He's like, Turns out he's into drugs and all this stuff, but he was my neighbor. Most help,
1: most help with charisma.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he was like, hey, do you wanna go get tequila? Can we leave this coffee shop and go get tequila and like drink it on the roof? And I was like, okay. And we ended up like being on the roof, drinking tequila and like hula hooping and like just like having this like really fun night that went really late, but like normal Garrett would have been like in bed at 8.30, watching a show, going wow. to bed by nine, getting up at five, like all that stuff. And um, I realized, you know, in this work that I was doing on myself, like how many times in my life have I let go enough to not follow my own schedule or to not be where I'm supposed to be. And there are very few times, but a lot of them were in dating scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I and I, and I learned something about myself each time. So really, yeah. that was
1: great. No, but that was fantastic though. Cause I feel like people should hear that too, about like that idea of when did I let go and how did that serve me?
0: Wow. So my final question for you is what's your big ideal? Like what's your, what's your ideal for your music?
1: Um, okay. So that's a good question. So it's always changing because I just love making music for the sake of making it, as opposed to like, I don't have
0: pressure on it to feed you. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the Elizabeth Gilbert, like I don't want to, you know i don't want to put the pressure on it so that it stays with me you know um i have to say for for music i i just want to keep playing i would like to be part of someone else's sort of vision so um the idea is to not put too much pressure on it right now but I do have a couple producers that I'm working with and I was actually um, really excited because my friends who are in this band called Bandits on the Run um, were going to South by this year before that got canceled and so so I wanted to go and experience that with them and um, and I've been learning a lot from from other musicians who are kind of out there doing it my my real goal is to put an EP together so I can just have my music on Spotify so people can listen to it if they want to hear it um, and just keep doing it for the joy of it. But ultimately, I really want to be on a show where I'm allowed to play music. I want to play a musician on a show.
0: That's you know so cool. I mean? Keep saying that.
1: Yeah, I, and it's happening. It's happening. I would say almost half of my auditions in the last year since we spoke have been me with a guitar in an audition room for a character.
3: Awesome!
1: So, so that, is, that is getting closer. Um, and, you know, and I'm just going to add more instruments, you know. I think the more that I build it out, like it started with guitar and now I've been playing guitar for like four years. So from guitar I'm adding harmonica and maybe, you know, like a kick drum. Yeah, exactly. Whistling. Like it's all I'm just trying to like express it in as many ways as I can and um yeah, just see where I can build it. Because I can do it by myself. Acting it's a little hard to do by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Directing (laughs) is a little hard to do by yourself. Yeah. But music it's no problem. And what's cool about music and all then we got to go. But what's cool about the the music is there's this actor Jimmy Simpson and I was um he is just a sort of acquaintance of mine in LA. He's on the show Westworld and he's an amazing actor. And um he we were talking about acting and how he said basically you bring a bunch of wires and then as an actor, that's the work. And then as an actor, you just put some skin on top of it, which I was like, that's a really fitting reference for somebody from Westworld. Oh my God. <laughs> but that's his theory about acting too, is putting some skin on it. And, and that's how I feel about my music. You know, I just take what I am going through and then I just put the music over it. Yeah. And that's, that's been a really freeing sort of experience. And I'm trying to do that more with acting. You know, it's all about bringing yourself and, and being you know, being able to create a a safe space to present the truest version of yourself to people. Yeah. Because we're so afraid. You know what I mean? We're so afraid. It's like the mask. We're just so afraid of showing all the the gross stuff because people are mean sometimes. Because sometimes people are just mean and unforgiving. And and so you have to be very brave to be that vulnerable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I I almost, I don't know if you can relate, but once you do it a couple times on, on what feels like somewhat of a stage, you kind Mm. of get over, like each time you do it, you're less and less scared, which I mean, then you kind of have to keep doing more things to get more uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like at a certain point, you're like, yeah, you start to get less concerned. Yeah. Putting yourself, like I hadn't seen you, you know, this was a long time ago now, but like I hadn't ever seen you put yourself out there musically on Instagram, Facebook or whatever until you did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just something you just, it's casual. Sam posted this thing. It's great. <laughs> yeah. it's,
1: like, yeah. it's
0: not like this big, like, Oh my God, Sam Morgan put music, yeah. you know,
1: people are like a little bit probably like, just please stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, please don't do that anymore. Uh, we're good. We're good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Yeah. It's interesting. And I think, I mean, yeah, I, I, uh, I've I've fallen back in love with music and I've been making music since I was probably three years old. You know what I mean? Like that's just been my thing and in high school it wasn't cool. And I got voted best singer by our high school class, which mortified me,
2: mortified
1: me. I was the anxiety around that was being like the fact that I won acknowledgement for anything in a class of 900 people, but I got best singer and I was absolutely so mortified because, because, you know, we ran around with these kids, these people who, you know, I, I wanted to fit in so badly and, and I never did. You know what I mean? I think it it was everybody, even my friend, my group of friends, I think we're just like, what, why, what do we have in common? <laughs> like, there was like, we were, I think it was like, we were at that point where it was like, we didn't know why, why we were all
0: hanging out.
2: I,
1: I have no idea why. Yeah. I, I don't know what we had in common. I mean, Spencer Christensen is still a friend of mine. He's in New York. And we, what we had in common was our neighborhood. We, he was my very first friend because we lived a couple houses down from each other. Yeah. But like, you know, that yeah. was like kind of the extent of it. And so I remember, I remember winning that award and being like, oh my God, like I have to walk up in front of all these people and like, that's the award. Like, it's like not that cool. Like, I just remember feeling like really out of love with music. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I just think I wasn't, I was, I was just embarrassed. I was like, I had no gratitude for the gift. Yeah. And then, and then I think after. I mean, years, it probably took six years before I picked up a guitar and started and being like, Oh wait, I, am I can do this on the highest, highest level. This is like one of those things that I can do. Yeah. And so I think that that, because there's a lot of things I'm bad at, you know what I mean? There's yeah. so many things that I'm not good at. And so I'm like, why would I shit on the one thing, the one gift Yeah. that, you know, I, I've been given. And so I started leaning into it. Yeah, but I, I hated it. I hated myself for it for a long time, wow. um, which is interesting to think about. But it's because I wanted to fit in because I wanted to be normal. I remember in high school, I think I told you this last time, that I used to walk around and there would be people, as there probably were at Fisher's, your high school, <gasps> yes! where, yeah, where I would see people who just blended into the wall. And I'm like, did that person go to school with us? And being like, oh, I wish I could just be that person. Like to be the person who matches the wallpaper at your high school, like for that to, like your self-esteem must be pretty low for that to be, because I, cause I always stood out. I was like, of other group of kids that we ran around with,
2: yeah.
1: I would say I was always somewhere on the chopping block to be like, you don't exactly fit in.
0: <laughs> <I don't
1: laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I just remember just feeling like I was always on the chopping block.
0: I will say that part of that was probably because of um, the fact that we didn't, at least to my knowledge, no one was musically gifted.
1: Yeah, no, No, I don't. It it wasn't very cool.
0: That's how I felt. Like, I mean, obviously you went to HSC, I went to Fisher's, but when I started the school newspaper to like work on my writing and do that, I was with like, i don't know if you remember patrick reedy but like pat patrick reedy yeah. was in there and like a bunch of people that like i probably wouldn't have normally spent that many hours yeah. with
2: That
0: i was like okay well we're doing this thing and okay we're here and like this is going to be part of my identity but i don't know if like that's cool and yeah um, yeah it's weird to to um, hang out with more creatives because that i don't know indiana doesn't foster you know i mean if i
1: if i could do it again you know which is not a healthy mentality <laughs> I wish, but I, I really wish I would have leaned in to the people. I was so concerned. We all were. With this narrative though of high school, like popularity, you know, uh, having the most extreme high school experience I could possibly have. Like, you know, th- I was so concerned with the narrative cause I wanted to experience cause I'm an experiencer. I wanted to feel it. I wanted to feel popularity. Yeah. I wanted to feel the party. I wanted to feel youth. I could feel it like slipping by, like you just going away, even as like a 15 year old. I was like, it's going I'm, like clock is going it's
0: leading bleedingness, Yeah,
1: you, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is the time. Like, go out like, you know, go and drink in somebody's barn and just live every bit of it. You know what I mean? Because you're we're pumped in with like the OC and Smallville and One Tree Hill. And, yes. you know, that's that was our high school era's sort yeah. of teen. You know, but it's every high now. They have Riverdale and like all that stuff, and so it's like, I get why I wanted that narrative, but I wish I would have just like done a fucking play, you know, stayed on the school newspaper. Like mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I wish I would have done more in my photography class. I was in a really cool black and white photography class. Like I wish I would have just leaned into the stuff that I do now,
3: yeah. which is
1: like, you know, I'm I'm a nerd. Like I like I like it. I like I like spending hours studying. I like. I love like late nights at a library, (laughs) like, like I, I don't need to go, you know, I like to have fun, but I, I'm, you know, but letting go, I had to go through that and I had to get beat up to come back out. What you didn't like. Exactly. Exactly. And realize that wasn't me. You know what I mean? And I feel like I'm shitting on those people, but I, I, I'm not, I'm just saying, I think that I could have embraced my true, true self. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, I'm thankful that we both have had the opportunity to do that, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and definitely. Don't you agree? It's kind of took getting away from it though.
0: The farthest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You have to.
0: Yeah. Chicago was a, was a first step and I didn't want to leave. It was so comfortable. It was so predictable. It had everything, but Yeah. moving to Boston was like the worst thing ever, but it ended up being the best because yeah. of everything I had to like figure out about myself. So
1: and also, you're just like in. Whenever I see like pictures and videos and stuff of you and Jeff, I'm like, "Well, that's a no-brainer." <laughs> like, it's so it's so good. It's yeah. like such. A, it just looks so like from an outsider's perspective. I'm just I'm I'm sure you know. Like as everything, there's like yeah sides, but from the outside, I'm like that is so cool. Like that's such a like duh. Like yeah, fits. I think
0: it's um, and you might I don't know, I've contemplated it, but it's um. I actually had one of my ex-boyfriends tell me this. He was like, Jeff seems so like hardcore masculine. Like you needed that. And I was like, well, I actually have a lot of masculine energy. So yeah. it's almost like, yeah, there's that balance that he's still like the outdoorsy side of him and the mm-hmm. the like lumberjack, you know, part of him, is definitely yeah. more masculine than me. But um, when it comes to like, my energy of like being social, I'm the masculine energy. He's like the feminine, like more totally. reserved. and so it's, it's interesting to like learn those balances. And so mm-hmm. I think to sum up what other people might see or say it fits is kind of that because a lot of people don't okay. see me be the softer side. They see like the interviewer, the writer, the go getter, the mm-hmm. berry like yelling out a microphone at you. But when mm-hmm. you see me like leaning against somebody else, it's like, Oh, she has like
1: softness to her too. Yes
0: which I've yeah. been having to learn how to do, honestly.
1: Interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's, no, it's true. I agree. I think that there is that masculine feminine thing in everybody. And I mean, luckily now we're at a day and age where people are finally kind of awakening that, you know, because I think also if you like, I think it's a two-way street because, you know, there's, a, luckily there's been like a lot of, of push for like, you know, female empowerment in a legitimate way. and and things like that in the last couple of years, which is awesome because we're so afraid by the the uproar of misogyny in public places. But, but that said, so we're making a little bit of progress there. There's still a lot of work to be done, but there's progress. But I think there's also another side of, of the, the sort of pro- progression of society, which is like having um, women who date men be, a little bit more accepting of that feminine side of their male partner. Yeah. Because I know way too many, I I hear it a lot um, from women who date men talking about, you know, well, I don't want, I mean, you can cry, but like, not like all the time.
0: Oh yeah. Like,
1: okay, that's fucked.
0: Yeah, I'm like, I need to see I want to see it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's like if you're allowed to, if, if you expect him to embrace 360 degrees of your emotions, I think you also have to let that, you know. And so I think having these ideals, these sort of like false ideals that we were fed through like Disney movies of like what Prince Charming looks like and like Prince Charming doesn't feel things. He just like rides horses and like, <laughs> you know, like cares about you. You know what I mean? But like having it be like a real person. Yeah and and embracing their humanity as masculine and feminine and that duality i think is is the next step because i feel like i see far too many men getting squashed emotionally and not only squashing themselves and other men but also being squashed by their female partners yeah and i think that that is hopefully one of the next steps we'll take yeah you know you know yeah. if a if a man you know, wants to wear any sort of feminine clothes, he should, that shouldn't affect his datability. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's taken for granted that a woman can walk. I mean, obviously women have their own sort of like uphill battle because men have, the patriarchy has been such a disastrous sort mm-hmm. of thing for um, the way we interact and socialize. But I think that it is taken for granted that a woman can walk onto a red carpet with a suit And nobody's like, oh yeah, she's a lesbian. Like nobody thinks that really. But if a man walks into anywhere with like a dress or like something that's like slightly feminine or like a blouse, then he's immediately questioned. Harry Styles is immediately scrutinized. Everybody's concerned about his sexuality all of a sudden and it's become the only thing they'll talk about, not his music. And if Billie Eilish wears hoodies and you know baggy jeans, people are like, she's our
0: youth. Yeah.
1: So there's a big double standard.
0: There's a huge double standard. And I'm guilty of it. I mean, I dated a guy who was very, I mean, very musically gifted. Um, he's actually still in the music industry in a very yeah. big way right now. Very big way. And yeah, I was so judgmental. And this was at a time when I was at my worst self-loathing yeah, self yeah, yeah. in my So yeah, yeah. you know, part of probably why, but he had, he was obsessed with this light blue Burberry jacket. And I was like, why are you wearing, like, why do you want to wear light blue, like frilly jacket? And it was like, and like, and even like Jack had said to me before about some like sweater he wanted to wear. And I was like, Oh, I think that's too feminine. And it was like, but like, I wasn't, I was obviously in a really bad place, but now I think the, aside from just the shell of how we accept everybody Mm-hmm. how they express themselves is, is being ready to ask the questions. Like I would say, and I think Jeff would, ag- would agree with me, but part of his ability to open up about his emotions or share any of that mm-hmm. is not, he's definitely not someone who just walks into a room and is like, let me tell you how I feel today.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I have to like, kind of like, not, not coach it out of him, but like really pry. But yeah. once we're there, he will tell me anything. He doesn't hold anything. Yeah. But it's one of those things that's like, you're not trained as a little boy. To like open up about your feelings.
1: Totally. Totally. And to express yourself like in any way other than, you know, the one, the one way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, like with girls, for example, I mean, another thing that gets taken for granted, I think, is the, the phrase tomboy. Yeah. Girls can be a tomboy from the time they're three years old and no one's like, oh, she's definitely a lesbian. I mean, maybe, but that'd be really weird. You'd be like, yeah. no, she's like a tomboy and also who cares. But yeah. like if a, if a boy plays with Barbie dolls or with, you know, anything, they're like, oh, well, you know, and you're like, how is that, how is that a thing? Like, why, why are we suddenly only limiting the the male experience to this one sort of yeah. train track? And if they don't fit in, then your kid has a problem. Whereas like if a girl wants to play softball and wear basketball shorts, it it's not a problem. It's just, she's a tomboy.
0: It makes me appreciate some of the um, musicians that wear eyeliner, you know, and yeah. whatever, whatever makeup, hair, crazy, however they want to express. Like, I feel like they, I've seen that demonstrated recently, and and also in the past. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. The yeah, little-
1: I'm like super into like Harry Styles and Ezra Miller and people that are sort of in the main, the main arena of self-expression and like trying to figure out like what do what how do you feel comfortable presenting yourself Mm
2: -hmm. you
1: know what I mean and it's cool for me because I feel like I I wear a uniform which is like sweater and slacks and that's just how I feel comfortable like I that's but I like I like that there are people who are challenging how we are able to present ourselves you know Mm -hmm. and Timothy Chalamet I think does it a lot too like there's a lot of just like these really cool male role models that I wish I could have seen younger, but it's cool for for boys growing up now, yeah, you know what I mean to just be like that's where I draw inspiration from, yeah, but
0: so much inspiration,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah, so much inspiration yeah. um uh, yeah, so that's it's interesting though, it's really, really cool i think that I think that the generation below us is actually um is is hopefully a little bit more uh, open to sort of identity stuff and like who they feel like they want to be. And, you know, all the activism and everything. I love, I love seeing like, um, who's it? Rowan Blanchard. I like her a lot. I like uh, Amanda Steinberg. I don't know. I like these like mm-hmm. activists.
0: Well, I will. Um, I know you, you share some good stuff too. So I will. um obviously tag you with the podcast stuff so people can like find you and see what you follow and all of that
1: you can tell we're on quarantine time
0: because we just yeah let it go let it go yeah i'm sorry (laughs)
1: that was two full hours yeah yeah yeah. no it's cool i mean i always like talking to you about this stuff i think it's interesting getting to talk about like shared past people and because the other thing about the past is it's not the truth. It's how you felt about the past.
0: I know. So the I, way you
1: engage with one person that we both know is different from the way that I engage with some person. And that doesn't change that person. That's no. just our perspective on
0: I know. I love talking. I mean, it, like you said, it's so cool to talk to someone that like we're here and now where we are, but yeah. we come from the same place and how we are yeah very interesting and um yeah so i appreciate it
1: and looking for like the best version of their life i think yes that, that's something that we both have in common is like not settled yeah like i just don't feel until it feels true and right i don't want it you know what i mean like i don't want it until it feels true and it feels right to me and, and that I've, i i think we both share and they like sort of gig economy lifestyle where you're like, this is my job. That's my job. Like, how do I make money? How do I move through being a freelancer? Like, I think those are things that really start to define who you are and have have certainly defined who I am now. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, it's cool. It's really cool to touch base and like, and I'm just like very excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for myself. And
0: yeah, the feeling is mutual. Yeah. a
1: A lot of my, my friendships with these people, I think, was impacted by my ability to feel safe or comfortable around. You know, so that's partially on me, I yeah. think. Because if I would just be, you know, if I just was like, well, you know, take me, take it or leave it, and they were like, okay, cool, we accept it, blah 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 blah, then you would be, you know, you'd be good to go, and you'd probably be be close. But I think sometimes you just don't feel like you have room to be yourself around people. And when you don't have that space to be who you are, suddenly you shut down. I, I find myself shutting down and I'm just like, Oh, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And so I think when I got out of high school and I realized, you know, I was the one in charge of making my friends that.
3: So. Yeah. And that's okay.
1: Again, like this is okay. I think, you know, and if they're, if they're trying to be friends with you and you're like, ah, feeling resistant, maybe see why you're feeling resistant. Cause if somebody's trying to be a good friend,
0: yeah, just and let them. They,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you're maybe you're part of the problem, but like
0: it's more if, like they're just we're just energetically being drawn
1: apart. Yeah, which is cool. Which is like very chill, though.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know what true. I mean?
1: Like it's okay to to be drawn away from,
2: yeah,
1: you know, people. And I think it can be alarming when there's somebody that you want to keep close, and you're like, no, why are you? Yeah, that's hard for that's me. Hard. I made a best friend in November and being in your late twenties and making a best friend who shared like so many, like, Oh shit, man, I should've, man, I should've put this in a story. I, it was like a universe thing. It was a filmmaker who two years ago, I went to New York and a friend of mine who I grew up with, who I started this magazine with at Yale. He showed me, he's like, Hey, you have to watch this film. It's about these women working the sex industry um, in the Bronx. They're working in underground brothels. I watched the film. I was so moved before I went back to LA, I went and bought a DVD that they showed showed us at NYU. I wrote a letter to the director. I was like, I gave it to my friend and I was like, just give this director this DVD and this letter. You know, he has to watch the special features because this, that, and the other. So forget, I forgot. I forgot that I did that. I didn't care. I let it go. Flash forward to, uh, Last November, one of my totally separate friends who I met through doing Muay Thai and like martial arts in uh, L.A. goes, hey, we're at a party. He's like, hey, my friend Nick is coming into town. He's this filmmaker. He's a model. He is a model. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. He made this film about these women working in underground brothels in the Bronx. And I was like, wait, hold on. I think I wrote this guy a letter like two years ago and put it in a DVD and gave it to someone else to give to him. And it turns out it's the same person. So we ended up, it was like, Hey, you want to grab a coffee? Like very non-committal. you know, like if it's weird, you know, at least we made a connection. Yeah. To being like, I texted him cause I'm a, I, I'm obviously I get distracted easily and I'm a little hyperactive. So I, Uh, was like actually how about you just come over at like 9 a.m we'll go do muay thai together then we can go get coffee then i'll make lunch and then we'll go out because i was like i just want to spend as much time like gleaning this information from this person because i i felt like you know whatever we hit it off like like best the best 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 friends you can think of and hung out from 9 a.m till 3 a.m the next day like nonstop it was like meeting a sibling. It was like meeting a brother. Whoa. That, you know what I mean? You're like, you're like, I just wanted to just spend every minute asking questions. And uh, so, yeah, so we became like, you know, really, really good friends. And that was like, Whoa, that was a new one cool. that I was like, cause you don't think you're going to make friends like that.
0: I think, yeah, I think you life. also have to be open to it. That's like also speaks to your state of mind about life and you know, true, oh, true, nice. true, true.
1: So that was like, so then, but then you have that sort of best friend slot, and then you start like rearranging other people in your life, and you're like, because you can't have that many best you friends.
0: Can't. You can't, yeah.
1: Not to be like the real kind where you call to check in on them and see how they're doing and all this yeah. stuff.
0: Carry their, like, you know, what's going on in their world, and yeah, yeah, whatever.
1: exactly.
2: I th- yeah,
0: I think maybe the better way to phrase it is like, I've definitely done the rearranging, and I'm now curious of like what what next or like yeah
1: yeah especially when you have people who are like on your vibrational frequency when you're like you know it'd be hard for me to be friends with someone who wasn't into like fitness kind of yeah that's because not because not because everybody has to be just because i yeah. find that important
0: and like you want to go do it together like let's go let's have fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah like it's not a weird thing to invite you to go for a run yeah you know what I mean? Or like to take you to like a class or, you know, go hiking or, you know, like I, those things that I think you, you have to be aligned. Yeah. Or like having a friend who drinks a lot. Like that's something I would have invited as a sort of maybe prereq in my 20, early twenties.
2: Mm-hmm. And now in
1: my late twenties, I'm like, I don't drink for, I drink virtually not at all. I'll have like a glass of wine or a beer, but like, I don't even know really what drinking is to me anymore.
0: Yeah. So
1: it, it would be hard for me to keep up with someone who that was a priority for them.
0: Yeah, that's a huge point.
1: So it's weird because like I've changed too, and some people probably think I've gotten more boring.
0: <laughs> I don't know. No, boring's the answer. But well,
1: you know, but it's like you have, have someone you have else. Mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: know. Well, I hope you All find right. some, some friends in indie so that <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, this is it. You're you're my social group right now because I just i've never facetimed this much in my whole life
0: yeah i don't think i have either so it's
3: this is just
0: been yeah well this is
1: really helpful and thanks for let me show you what i'm doing <laughs>